If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Skids off to Taylor. He's in. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Fires that way. Picked off. Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket. The Colts bring it down. A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up in the end zone. He throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Colts Official Podcast presented by WinBet. I'm JJ Stankovitz in the host chair for our jet-setting friend Jeffrey Gorman again this week. On today's pod, I'm joined by Lara Overton and Matt Taylor as we take a couple of lessons from Super Bowl 56 and then start looking ahead to the offseason. You can follow Lara on Twitter at Lara Overton, Maytay on Twitter at Maytay Colts, and me on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz, and good luck spelling that name. Before we start, Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Colts Audio Network because you're going to want to turn on your notifications because we're going to have a couple of bonus podcasts coming up this week. Those episodes of Overtime will be landing in your podcast feeds, won't they, Lara? It certainly will be, and a couple of guys who had experiences out in L.A. over the NFL Honors and for Super Bowl weekend going to join us coming up. We'll hear from Colts Walter Payton, Man of the Year, Kenny Moore the second on what was certainly a special few days for him. Yeah, absolutely. So keep an eye out for those podcasts coming into your feed later this week. Guys, the NFL schedule is hilarious. Like the Super Bowl wrapped up what feels like three hours ago, and the NFL Combine starts in two weeks. Like, I mean... (laughs) There is there is no break. There is no slow period of the news cycle right now. So there's going to be plenty to talk about. And Maytay, hey, free agency starts in one month. One month from when we are potting, the legal negotiating period opens. So <laughs> good. if you're trying to get a break, wait until, I don't know, June to get one. Yeah, that, that's my favorite thing about the, the NFL is just when you think, all right, the Super Bowl's done, they're going to disappear from – the sports calendar and basketball and March Madness will take over. And those things do to degree, but the NFL just never goes away completely. It's always kind of top of mind. I mean, I remember watching some March Madness basketball games, and then on the bottom line, right, you have the scroll. You just see what NFL teams are doing in terms of blockbuster moves and free agency, and that kind of takes over. And you guys are exactly right. Things are about to heat up. you got the scouting combine coming up the first weekend of March. You got free agency March 16th. You got the draft at the end of April. So, I mean, the NFL is just the beast that never sleeps. And uh, that, that's why this league is, is so popular because there's a tent pole event, if you will, every couple of weeks in the offseason until you get to about to June. And then once, you know, the, the mandatory mini camps are over, things kind of die down a little bit. But then we all know what's coming in, you know, four or five weeks after that with training camp. So, it's a, as we all know, it's a really, really important, intriguing offseason for the Colts because they've got a lot of cap space. I think they're in the top, you know, seven or eight in terms of money to spend this offseason in terms of free agency, but they don't have that first round pick. You know, that was part of the package for Carson Wentz. They could get some, uh, you know, some compensatory picks later in the deal, depending on how things go. But I mean, this is a, a really important period of time. It, it goes without saying right now between. You know, now and, and May, if you will, you know, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, Jim Irsay, they're going to be busy and they're going to have to try to erase that, that stain, that bad taste of missing the playoffs, those bad two games to end the season against the Raiders and the Jaguars and, you know, come up with a plan, come up with a formula to get the Colts back to a playoff contender. 
it's a really intriguing time right now. There's no question about it. And that's why, again, you know, the offseason in the NFL is basically like a season um, unto itself. I mean, you guys know that with the analytics and the popularity of the articles and the content that you guys produce. There's a lot of people that are more interested or just as interested yep. in this time of year in the NFL than, you know, playing games in the month of October, November, and December. So, okay, I didn't put this in the podcast rundown today, guys, because I wanted to get your honest guesses. Mayte, you're talking about the Super Bowl and, you know, how the NFL is king and all that. I want each of you to guess how many people do you think watch the Super Bowl across all platforms? I was just going to go. I've got it pulled up over here. That's where okay. I was going to go with all right, that. Mayte, so I've, che- I've cheated already. Okay. Mayte, so. what, what's your guess if you haven't seen it already? Across all platforms? Yes. Um, I'll say $150 million. Ooh, Okay. Close. Yeah. Very, yeah. 112.3 million viewers. That's up 14% over last year's Super Bowl. The, the NFL's king. I mean – that's why you know. That's why how many how many of those people were really there for the halftime show though? Like oh, it was like they okay. really didn't care about the game well, at all. But they're like, see. if we're bringing Snoop and Dr. Dre uh-huh. back, then and Eminem and Mary J, I am there. Like I'm gonna watch the football. Yeah, but I am dialed in because the Super Bowl party I was at, people were kind of running oh. around like checking in on the game. I mean, I was locked in watching it, but the majority of people, you know, watch for a few plays and go to mm-hmm. commercial, walk away, whatever. But like. Everyone oh, stopped for the halftime God. show. You like gave all the kids the iPads because you're yep. like, yep. this is the time. Say, we had the same thing. We had a bunch of kids over, um, and like halftime comes on, and it's just like everyone be quiet. Like everyone, like all the all the mommies and daddies observe are here. the greatness that observe, is. We're, Show we're some here. respect. When when Dr. Dre got on the piano, mm-hmm. I just like got out of my seat and I just started like running around like a maniac. I was like, this is the greatest yeah. Super Bowl halftime show I've ever seen. Does, does everyone agree here? Mayte, do you have any dissent on this? There was a tweet that said halftime should be promoted to full-time, and I like <laughs> just died. This is so, so well played. So well played. Mayte, I know your, your tastes are more in the classic rock uh, arena. Yeah. What, what, what did you think? I thought it was fantastic. I, re- I really did. I mean, uh, like you said, it's, it's really not my cup of tea, but that, that being said, it doesn't mean I can't appreciate it. You know, I mean – I'm not a big fan of, of Fleetwood Mac or, you know, Bruce Springsteen, but it doesn't mean I don't recognize their talent. Same thing with this. I mean, these guys changed, you know, entire generation of, of hip hop and rap. And you know, so I'm not going to pretend here and, and give you some facts that I just don't know. I mean, I'm not going to be privy to, you know, their career and what you know impact they've had on, on music for those that are in the, you know, 25 to 40 ish uh, age bracket, you know, which was so popular with this, period of time in music but i mean snoop Dogg, you can definitely appreciate his contribution i thought eminem was really really fantastic um so no i mean i i had no issue with the halftime show i thought it was entertaining and fun um and that's that's really what you're going for for a halftime show you want it to be upbeat energetic and you just want people to have fun and sing along with the song you, you, you know what that, I, that's really what you're going for you know what i loved about it there were like no frills it was. It, it wasn't. There weren't these. Like, yeah, they were grand, like dancing on shipping containers. Yeah, or something. it wasn't. It wasn't like a grand production. Yeah, like it was well, just. You know it I was liked? about the music. To your point. To your point, JJ. What I liked was, it just seems like it's it's just so over the top with production and lighting and lasers mm-hmm. and all of these different things. One of the things that I thought about after watching the halftime show, you know, was in Los Angeles. It was still light out. There was still sunlight coming mm-hmm. into the stadium, so it was hard to kind of get that effect which I thought was good. It was re- refreshing that you could actually see, you know, the field instead of trying to make it look like a theater, which we have, you know, tried to, to do 
um, on an NFL you know football field at halftime all these years. So I, from that standpoint, I, I liked its simplicity, and I liked how you know they use the kiss method, if you will, um, with the halftime show. Keep it and simple, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I went Gene Simmons for a second, and I was like, what does he yeah, have like, to say about the Whoa. halftime take, show? Take it easy. I know we just had Valentine's Day, Larry, and your birthday, but take it easy. This is a friendly podcast here. <laughs> Lara, Lara, what was your what was your favorite song that got played during halftime? Oh, California Love. Are you kidding me? That was great. Yeah. And I'm glad that there yeah. was no Tupac hologram. I, I know I mentioned that. I'm glad there was no Tupac I was Tupac wondering what, what was going to happen with that. Yeah. Yeah. California Love brought it down. Also, like, I, I, I kind of like that Eminem, like, went away for a while and now has had somewhat of a resurgence. Like, I was not. Eminem's beard. Yeah, looks great. I, yeah, I know. I'm. I, I was very, very pleased all around, all around. Pleased with the outcome. Pleased with the play of the game. I actually tweeted out. I was hoping it would go into overtime because I just wanted a couple more minutes uh-huh. of NFL playoff football because not just like the Super Bowl, but all of the playoffs. These playoff games, this whole playoff period, this what four weeks or so that we have had has just been outstanding, yeah. and it's been you know very dramatic, and it it's been so much fun. So yeah, I was kind of hoping uh, just to. See Mate, uh, how feel, see how confident he was in his pick of Evan McPherson. Yeah, I was well, hoping we yeah. go to a little OT uh, field goal scenario. Maybe yeah, Evan, he, he went he to never want got it. that chance. Never got the it. But, line, the offensive line didn't protect well, him that chance. Hold, hold on, before we go any further, Lara, I, you mentioned you enjoyed the game. You enjoyed yes. the game because you nailed your prediction that we did on the podcast last week. So the floor is yours. Larry, it was your birthday yesterday. <laughs> it was. You, yes, this is the you. birthday present from the Colts official <laughs> podcast to Lara. Go ahead and brag. Uh, guys, it, the thing is, it's not like I really, you know, ha- had to reach for my pick of Cooper Cup as the yeah, MVP. You, you really went on a limb. Right. There, huh? The guy the has won everything. Yeah, the guy has won every award he <laughs> was eligible for, I think, right? Like, uh, so anyway, yes, I was feeling really good. I was texting both of you guys. I was like, oh, I, I like where I'm going with this. I was a little overestimated on what I thought the final score would be, but I did pick the Rams and I did pick Cooper Cup as the MVP. If nothing more than just for bragging rights, it was all worth it. But yeah, guys, it's really not like it was such such a bold or risky, sexy prediction on my behalf because that guy cleaned up between, you know, all the NFL honors and, you know, all of the different you know, um season records, you know, uh that he got yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, I, I felt pretty good about it. Pretty happy with the outcome. So yeah, I get to reign bragging rights until we have another, you know, segment where we're all pontificating on what we think is is going to be what the outcomes are going to be. But yeah, well done, Cooper Cup. Also, like Matthew Stafford, how are you not happy for oh that guy? God. Like Ooh. I know, like we got a lot of Bengals fans around here, rightfully so. But for a guy who's been through so much within the NFL across the league has had the career that he's had to come out on top. I think was really cool to see that moment of him on the field with his daughters down there playing in the confetti. It was like the most wholesome thing. Well, and same for Aaron Donald. I mean, you know, now there are all, there are all these rumors that he might hang it up. Um, Cause what else is there left for Aaron Donald to accomplish? You know, and seeing him with his daughters, I read a, a story uh, over the weekend, that he he promised his daughter, his oldest daughter, that she would get to play in confetti mm-hmm. before the Super Bowl, uh, the 2018 Super Bowl, and now he gets to do it. Um, look, I, I, you know, we don't want to go totally go down this road, but I just have to say, it, if Aaron Donald hangs it up, I mean, we're talking about one of the five greatest defensive players of all time, um, in in my opinion. But I want to I want to start kind of with that, where we're talking about the Rams team building. That's something we wanted to dive into here. 
because it is interesting as you start as we start now looking ahead to 2022 and how teams around the NFL, the Colts, will build their roster. The Rams, Matt, Matt, you, you've you've talked about this a little bit, but the Rams went they, they've gone the other direction of a lot of teams in just sacrificing draft picks. It started trading a first rounder for Brandon Cooks a couple years ago, then two first rounders for Jalen Ramsey, then two first rounders for Matthew Stafford, a couple second rounders for Von Miller. Um, they they have gone the route of we are getting top quality players and we are not gonna, we're just not going to make draft picks essentially. What what do you think when you look at how the Rams built their roster to go win the Super Bowl? What lessons are you taking away from that that you think some other teams around the NFL might be taking? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is there's there's different ways to skin a cat. Um, and, you know, to steal a line from Rick Venturi, you know, when we played the Rams back in week two, uh, you know, Rick and I, every week we get together and do that inside football podcast. And Rick basically just you know, kind of takes over and goes through the X's and O's. And to steal a line from him, he said, the Rams are the antichrist of the Colts, you know, because the Colts want to build to the draft and develop players and, you know, re-sign their own, whereas, you know, the Rams, they just want, they want proven players right now. And there's different ways to go about it. But, you know, the draft at the end of the day, it's just, it's kind of a crapshoot. You know, you're betting on players, you know, what, what, how, how good you think they will be, you know, how, you know, where you pick a player is dependent on, you know, how much you value a guy and, and how much potential he has. Right. But with the Rams, they want proven players right now that have no, there's no learning curve. They're proven players in the sense that they're getting the job done on Sundays and they've proven they can play in the NFL as compared to a great, a great college player who's proven he can win on Saturdays in the SEC or the Big Ten or what have you. Like you said, the Rams, they're not going to have a first-round pick to until you know 2024, you know, whatever it is. And listen, the Rams might fall off a cliff, right? They may, they may not make the playoffs. You know, the, the players that they've traded for, that they were going all in, last season and this season with, they might fall off in terms of production. They might get old real quick, and they may not make the playoffs next year or the year after that, and they might not sniff another Super Bowl, you know, in this era, if you will, with the players they have. And then you might ask yourself, was it worth it? And I think the answer has to be probably yes. Flags fly forever. Yeah. Right? And you're seeing the last couple of seasons, the last two winners of the Super Bowl – have made really, you know, daring and, and bold, courageous moves. You know, you go back to the Buccaneers with Tom Brady, that was bold. And then obviously this year with, you know, the, the number of players the Rams have acquired um, and the draft picks they gave up to get those guys, you got teams like the Colts, teams like the Bengals that have drafted well. They've been smart in free agency. They've, they've done the right things in terms of bringing in guys to complement the roster Listen, I think the Colts roster, honestly, from top to bottom, like if you're just talking 1-53, to I think the Colts roster is probably deeper than the Rams, but the Rams have, and and Lair's going to roll her eyes at this because I've been saying it for six months, (laughs) but the Rams have great players at premium positions. Premier players at premium positions. If I had a dollar for every time I heard it. (laughs) If you're talking about the the most important positions on any NFL team, the Rams have a top five player in the NFL at those spots, right? Quarterback, defensive end, defensive tackle with Aaron Donald. And really, Donald's just like this 
hybrid guy that can play anywhere. He can play nose tackle, three tech. He can play on the outside at defensive end. Um, Jalen Ramsey, and, and, you know, Ramsey had an up and down Super Bowl, but he's still a great player. Right? Down on that last play where he was literally down. Where he, he <laughs> just <right>. fell. <laughs> That's right, but you, you you get what I'm saying. Like yeah, his, yeah. his body of work is is pretty pretty solid. Um, you know, Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, they made a bold move to get in. Uh, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. So, you know, I, I think that's the question a, a team like the Colts. A lot of teams in the NFL um, are asking themselves this off season. You know, w- what do we need to do to win in these playoffs? Modern day NFL football. Do we have to make bold moves to get again? premium players at premium positions in order to have a chance at the Super Bowl. And while the Rams have certainly gone all in with those, you know, big, whether it's, you know, trades or free agents, whatever it might be, and they have made those quote unquote splash moves, they have also done well with the guys they have drafted Mm -hmm. and developed them. I mean, Aaron Donald was a first round pick by them. Cooper Cup was a third round pick. Uh, Bryson Hopkins, a guy who stepped up. He was a fourth rounder back in 2020, had big shoes to fill when Tyler Higbee, you know, went down. And so when you look at this, this is a I was going through an article that Dan Graziano wrote just in preparation for this kind of looking into, yes, we all want to, you know, there there is a lot to be said for, and rightfully so, the move to get Stafford and Ramsey and Odell and the different guys who you can put in that conversation. You know, since McVay got there in 2017, they've made 45 picks in rounds two through seven. That's more than any team over the past five years besides the Minnesota Vikings. So their current roster has 29 of their own draft picks on it that ranks top 10 in the league so their whole strategy yes is exactly as Matt was saying premier players at premium positions but then it's also hitting on those later picks when you have them okay we don't have first round picks how pivotal are your two three four round those second third fourth round picks and then your ability to develop those guys and Cooper Cup is a perfect testament to that Aaron Donald's a testament to that yes he's a guy who came in with big expectations but the longevity the level at which he has played consistently over a period of time. And let's be honest, he set the standard for that organization, too. They would not be in a position to go out and grab these other, you know, big, high-profile guys around it if you didn't have a center Mm -hmm. of that team with Aaron Donald. To me, although Cooper Cup is, you know, your Super Bowl MVP and certainly Stafford should get a lot of credit, I think that Aaron Donald is the MVP of your organization because oh, yeah. he's the one who put this team on the map. He's the one they built around. He's the one, you know, one of those big carryover guys from when they were there just a few years ago with Jared Goff at quarterback. Right. And a big reason for that was because well, of their defense. The thing, I mean, Aaron Donald, it, it's crazy to remember, he was not a top 10 pick. There are a lot of teams that passed on Aaron Donald in the 2013, was it 14 draft? Because he was a six-foot defensive tackle. And, it, oh, yeah, his, his athletic testing numbers are nuts, and he was just a monster at Pitt. But, no, well, he's a six-foot tackle, so, you know, what, what, what use do we have for him? The Rams drafted him. It was a long time. They were in St. Louis, and they, they were in St. Louis for a couple of years before, you know, with Aaron Donald. But you're absolutely right, Larry. I also, I mean, for my money, he should have been Super Bowl MVP. Sorry to your guy, Cooper Cup. But that play that he made at the end of the game, where Sean McVay on the sideline, there's the, oh, the clip of the it where video he's, is incredible. you know, Donald's going to make a play. He's going to end the game, and then he does that. I mean, that dude, again, if he does hang it up, if he does walk away, I will be sad because we won't get to watch Aaron Donald anymore, and it's nice that he's in another conference and we only have to face him once every four years. But, man, I mean, what a what a player. What a – just a, in, 
a unique, a truly unique presence on a defense for, for what he does and what he did uh, to, you know, not, not, he didn't get all seven of those sacks against the Bengals, but he had a hand in quite a few of them mm-hmm. because of what he does in the interior of that defense. Well, I, I want to say one thing, and just to, to double back to our conversation about the roster building, I mean, I want to, I want to make one thing clear. Uh, again, there's, there's different ways to go about this. There's different ways to skin a cat when you talk about putting a Super Bowl contending team together. And to the Colts' credit, I think they're somewhere in the middle. I think they're, they're a blend of wanting to build through the draft and yep. then also kind of taking the, those bold approaches you know, teams like the Buccaneers and the Rams have used I mean, DeForest Buckner wouldn't be here if, if not for a bold move, uh-huh. right? I mean, that, that's what you're going for. I mean, sometimes it's okay to give up draft picks for guys that you know ha- are, are proven that mm-hmm. can play at a very high level in the NFL. I mean, the Carson Wentz trade was a bold move. And instead of picking up, you know, you know, you're picking whatever the Colts were picking last year in the draft in the 20s, mid-20s. You know, and picking up you know a quarterback that it's probably not a top five quarterback in the draft last year at, at that spot. The Colts went out and got Carson Wentz, a guy that they have seen perform at a high level at times in the NFL. So that's a bold move too. Buckner's a bold move. So the Colts are somewhere in the middle. I'm not trying to downplay the importance of the draft. In fact, I'm going the other way with it. I mean, the draft is the absolute lifeblood of the NFL. You have to draft well, no matter where you're picking. Um, in order to succeed and put a viable roster together. But I think the biggest question, again, to double back, that, that teams are asking themselves this offseason, the, look at the last couple of Super Bowl winners. You know, they have great quarterbacks, great passing games, great receivers. You know, how much of that do we need to replicate in order to win big going forward? And I think, you know, the Colts obviously are asking themselves a lot of those questions this offseason, right? What are we going to do a quarterback? What do we have to do at left tackle? I failed to mention left tackle. I think Whitworth is still a really good player at, at his position for the Rams. You know, is T.Y. Hilton coming back in free agency? Do the Colts have enough playmaking ability at wide receiver? Um, do they have enough depth at edge rusher to get after the quarterback? So these are, uh, unfortunately, a lot of those questions are still kind of lingering from last offseason into this offseason. So I just think it's a really, really interesting time right now um, and a challenging time quite frankly, for, for Chris Ballard and Frank Wright. Well, what can you pick up from the Bengals, then, if we're looking at a team that almost won the Super Bowl? I mean, was, you know, yes, the offensive line, it, it's hard to win a Super Bowl when you get sacked seven times, but they also won the turnover margin by two turnovers. I mean, that those two things don't usually go together. Um, the, the way the Bengals built their roster is fascinating, and I feel like it's a little less replicable because their roster – was, you know, it, you're not going to find a Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase combo maybe ever again for that those guys to be available in the draft in the top five in two consecutive years, and you can get them college teammates coming to the NFL. But the way they And they almost weren't college teammates because right, Joe exactly, Burrow wasn't right. initially at LSU. Right. So, I mean, a lot of factors had to come into play right, for that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but the way they built their defense is really interesting because they went out and they – I mean – they have like three guys. I think they drafted on their defense, and that's it: Jesse Bates, Logan Wilson, um, and one other guy, uh, Sam Hubbard, on that defense. The rest of that defense they brought in through free agency. You know, Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader, uh, Mike Hilton, Shadobia Wuzier, those guys. And it's it was an interesting way to go about it of spending really heavily on that side of the ball. I'm not sure how many lessons we can really take away from the Bengals. Because, again, that team, the engine of that team is so 
unique and so rare to get it. But, you know, I'll kind of throw it out to you guys. Is there anything that you learned about team building, how to get to a Super Bowl from the Bengals? Just the one thing I took, just real quick, is that ability to be flexible in a game. I mean, the Bengals don't make the Super Bowl if they don't put together one of the best defensive game plans over 30 minutes against Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship. Uh, you know, to confuse him, shut him down in that second half. But from a roster-building standpoint, again, as we kind of look ahead toward the combine and free agency, I don't know if I'm looking too much to the Bengals for a, you know, lessons, I guess. But is there anything you guys, you know, stood out? Anything stood out to you guys? Well, for for me, I mean, it, it, the Bengals are kind of tricky, you know, to, to replicate, like you said, J.J., because – the, those key parts on offense, you got to be really, really bad for a really long time right. to get guys like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Like those are two what top five draft picks, and so guys like that. I mean, the Colts are not going to be knock on wood. I mean, picking in the top five anytime soon. I mean, the, the roster, regardless of who plays quarterback next year, their roster's too good, too talented across the board. Outside of that one really key important position to go you know, four and, you know, whatever the math is now, four and 13. The 17th that game. That 17th game. game. The 17th is, game. Going to throw us off forever. There's a, reason, there's a reason I don't do math in public. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, you get what I'm saying. And just kind of looking at the Bengals from the outside, and I don't pretend to be a Bengals, you know, insider like a beat writer, but the Bengals this past year kind of started acting like an NFL team because for a while they were really loyal to their free agents and their draft picks to a fault. And it was almost like, hey, if you if you sign with the Bengals for four years, you're going to play out that four-year contract. Doesn't matter, right? They're going to be loyal to you, and they're going to play you out no matter how you're playing. Uh, please, they, they, you, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, you not drinking the uh, not being all in. I think you're drinking the Skyline Chili there, Mr. Uh, Cincinnati Redleg. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I mean, they had a lot of guys that just really underperformed, and they didn't do anything about it traditionally. And this past year – they started cutting guys that have been longtime Bengals, and they were way more active this past offseason in free agency than they've ever been, to J.J.'s point. I mean, D.J. Reader was a huge addition to that defensive line. Hilton, Hendrickson. So they made some really big moves, you know, for the Bengals anyways, um, to bolster that defense, which is a big reason why they were able to kind of make the run that they did. But, listen, they, they can do all of those things, and they can be better in a lot of key spots, but – you know, I talked to uh, Peter King about this last week when we had him on the show, The Last Word, last Friday, and it, it really doesn't matter, uh, you know, unless they have Joe Burrow. I mean, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow is that good, and this is kind of a bigger picture take on it, J.J., but, I mean, this is, this is why it's such an intriguing offseason for the Colts because the AFC is so freaking stacked. It's so loaded with elite-level quarterbacks who are all 26 years old and younger, so none of these teams that played in the – divisional round of the AFC, you know, those teams aren't going anywhere. In fact, they're only going to get better, you know, with the more experience that these guys get. I mean, Josh Allen, I mean, what can you say about that guy? We know about Patrick Mahomes, you know, we know about Herbert in in LA with Lamar the Jackson. So, yeah. Lamar Jackson, who's mm-hmm. one of stinking MVP already, you know, we forget about him. So it's just crazy to think that in the last two years, the last 24 months, the NFL has lost guys like Eli Manning and Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and and Philip Rivers, kind of the, the old guard, the last guy standing is is uh, Aaron Rodgers, and he doesn't have all that much time to play, I don't think. 
But the NFL has just replaced these guys, and it hasn't mattered. These guys are still the face of the league in short order. And unfortunately, again, most of these guys play in the AFC where it's going to be tough sledding for the Colts. And, and that's why they have to push, push the right buttons and, rate, and make the right moves this offseason to compete with, with those teams that I think have you know, long, long-term staying power. Well, the NFL is all about adapting and growing and finding answers for new challenges that come up. It's like, uh, and that Gus, starts in two weeks. It starts in two weeks. You know, it's, I, I think about like what Gus Bradley told us when we had him on that episode of Overtime last week, Lara. You're always trying to be a year ahead, mm-hmm. and that is that is always the challenge for a team, for a coaching staff, is you never want to be a year behind. You want to be a year ahead, and yeah, it's, there is going to be a lot to talk about, a lot to get into as we move ahead to the NFL Combine again in two weeks. Like I, the NFL Combine's in two weeks. I, and I, this might be the last one that we see here in Indy for really, quite a while. I, so, I with not. you know the conversations of LA and yeah, Dallas, so enjoy it while we got it in the backyard, yeah. boys. I'm I'm looking forward. You know, even it's weird now that I live here. Like I used to come to the combine, and it was like a week of just like heavy eating. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just St. Elmo's, Harry and Izzy's prime, mm-hmm. just eating su- like constantly, just dinner every night out, really nice food having a couple glasses of wine mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it is, going to high velocity. And now I'm like, oh, I live here. I can just go home. <laughs> like, this is great. Yeah. I can go sleep in my own bed every night. I, you know, I, I love the combine. I'm looking forward to it being back. And mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't leave Indianapolis. I know. I know. It's a great week. Excited for it to be back. We'll certainly have all of our with the next pick coverage yeah. as well. Starting up soon as we're talking about building for the draft, we will have our with the next pick series back this spring. So that's something to look forward to as yeah. well from Cole's production. I know we're already, we're, you're already doing stuff for that, Lara. Um, so looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to the next time we do this podcast. Absolutely. Mayte, thank you so much for joining us, dropping all the knowledge and uh, allowing me to gloat a little bit on, uh, you know, really going out on a limb to nail my Super Bowl MVP pick. Yeah, you sure did. Man. <laughs> you, you went right up to the edge of the cliff there, Lara. Man. Yeah. Lara, Lara Stradamus. Lara and Stradamus now Lara's cup runneth over. Oh, and on that note. <laughs> and on that note, we are going to get out of here on the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet. For Lara Overton and Matt Taylor, I'm JJ Stankovitz. Remember, turn on those notifications and subscribe to the Colts audio network for a couple episodes of Overtime coming up this week, next week, and in the future. Anyways, again, that's going to be it for us here on the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet. We'll talk to you next time.